0: And Amen. Thank you, Brother Greg. <clears throat> Last weekend at the Chambers Creek Association, they had asked me to try to speak Saturday afternoon, and I had a text in the second chapter of Colossians. And I tried to study something else this week. Felt like I was on something. And I ran it by Sister Leslie. And I can tell by her facial expression, and I can tell by my voice in telling it, Lord was not in that. Uh, may have been good for me to study on a personal level, but it was not. It was not good to try to preach that. I, I, I can just. She asked me later. I said, nah, that, I, that that one's put away. Probably never going to go back to that one again." And I just kept thinking about that text over there in Colossians. So if you all were there last Saturday and heard me, then you heard a a version of this, my thoughts on this, but it will be a different sermon. And I've been, it's still on my mind. It was on my mind all the way here today, all day yesterday, still on my mind right now. So may the Lord bless as I'm going to turn to Colossians chapter 2, And beginning in the 16th verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, But the body is of Christ. Paul's talking about those who were still adhering to the ceremonial law, the law of Moses, the law of commandments, the Old Testament, with all the feast days and observances, sacrifices, that when the Lord came and preached his gospel, now we're under the New Testament. They could not let go of what they had had for so long. Now, Sister Leslie and I are watching a TV show, and ordinarily I don't bring up TV shows and messages, but this is a show, it's a miniseries about the life of Christ. Ordinarily, I shy away from those things, because there's a lot that I think they, they get wrong. I haven't seen anything yet in this one that I disagree with. It's called uh, The Chosen. I've I've, I've seen things that I thought weren't accurate, but then I look in the Bible and find out, no, they got that right, I was wrong. Everything else to fill in the story is very plausible. I I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, you you might try it and see what you think about it. We were we watching it a few weeks ago, and they had a scene where the Lord, man, plays Christ. They're talking about things are changing. And I thought they well depicted the Jews in their adherence to the old customs. And the unwillingness to change or even questioning why the change. And in that scene, the Lord, in the script, he brought up a point. And it's a thing that's recorded in the Gospels that he said. And when he, I said, ah, he's there in that one. That That's that text. And I Told Leslie, I said, I want to hear what they got to say because I've never understood that text. She goes, I, I never have either. I said, I, I've never heard anybody really explain it that I could get it. And the way, and then you know what? They explained it in that in that show. And I'm when he's done, I go like, that's so simple. Now you're all on pins and needles. What that verse is, well, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait to the end of the sermon. I'll give you a reason to. Stay away. Give me a reason. Try to get there. But it applies to what I just read to you in Colossians. And it got me to thinking as they portrayed all that of I mean, the Jewish people it must have been real hard for them to let go of the law because that was their heritage. That defined them as a people. They uh, lived according to all the things that were required in the law to observe circumcision, sacrificing, uh, feast days, fast days, Sabbath days, all sorts of things that was stipulated by the Lord, this is what I want you to do. This This is the church that you're a part of. And made me think about, well, what if the Lord came back? Now, this is just a what if. What if the Lord came back or sent some prophets or whatever to the old Baptist? And they said, things are going to change. All the things that you've enjoyed as being primitive Baptists, that's going to change. And the changes are things like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He said, I want I want women to do the preaching from now on. That'd be, that'd be interesting. And they say, I think y'all if we're going to have instrumental music. I mean, everything that we're kindly against. I mean, if the Lord said, now we're going to do it like this, I think we, I include me in that, we would we would be very resistant to that. We probably think this is not of the Lord. This has got to be of the devil. And I can sympathize with the Jews on that. I can, I can get why so many of them uh, had a problem with the things that the Lord was saying. In a lot of cases, I believe, it took intervening grace. The Lord opened the hearts for them to receive the gospel, not not being born again. Yeah, that's necessary. But even to to be converted, that's a spiritual act. I think it took a lot of power of the Lord in that in these days. And I think some may have even seen it, and still, I can't give up what I am. I'm a Jew. This is this is defines the, the my heritage, my family. I can't I can't give up that. Paul was talking to a Gentile church and they had a problem. They didn't have, well, they didn't have any problem in adapting to Christianity because they, well, they weren't Jews. They may have had some other thing, but they didn't know anything about the law. Well, when they heard the gospel, the Lord blessed, they believed. What happened was folks came in Jews who were Christians and yet were still wanting to hold on to things, they came up there to these Gentile churches and they said, you know, you're not really a Christian. You really can't say you're a child of God if you're not doing everything God said to do. Oh, you need to be circumcised. In fact, one of them, they came up and said, except you be circumcised after manner of Moses ye cannot be saved. That caused a lot of controversy. Paul's saying these people are judging you. They're saying you're not doing enough. He said you do not listen to them. He said those, those things, all the things he listed, those were a shadow of things to come. Back in the day, we had preachers, preached out of the Old Testament a lot. They were called types and shadows, preachers. You don't hear too much of that. I remember hearing it a lot. Types, type of Christ, this represents Christ, or shadow. That was a shadow of things to come. We can see the outline, but now we're at the real thing. All those things that they represented, we're in it now. That's what Paul's saying. they're, They're just a shadow. He said, but what we are concerned with now is the body of Christ, not a foreshadow, not a type. We've got the real thing, so don't let them judge you. Folks, are always judging people. You're not doing enough. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. Some folks say you've got to accept Christ or you cannot be saved. They're going right back to the law. Unless you're baptized. Unless you live this lifestyle, Unless you're this denomination. You're not saved. And you can't be saved. They're judging. You're not doing enough. Here's the thing. They're right. We're not doing enough. And we can't do enough. To be saved. There's nothing we can do that would uh, be enough for our Holy Father to accept our sacrifice and say that is sufficient to cover your sins because we're sinners by nature and sinners by practice. So we, we rely upon the blood of our Lord Savior. That is what saves us. That is what paid our sin debt. I don't want a shadow of that. I want to hear about it. And to do that, I'm going to be in the body of Christ. I want to be in the New Testament church. Then he said in verse 18, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Now he's talking about another set of folks, another set of preachers. They, they're, they're coming along and they're saying now, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in the gospel. Just like you, we, we believe the same thing. But you know what? I've got some special abilities from God. I've got some special insight. I know some things. You see, you don't know enough, but I do. He'd been plagued by that a long time. He said uh, they've got a voluntary humility. They They act like they're humble, but they're not. Later on, he said, they're puffed up in vanity. He said, you know what? They intrude into things. As he said, they intrude into those things which he had not seen. (laughs) Angels, uh, fools rush in, but angels fear to tread. They're preaching about things that they don't know anything about. I told this story at Dallas. I feel it probably deserves to be told here at Bethel Church because it involves Bethel Church. I, I was filling in this Sunday. I drove up here. I had a sermon ready. I've been studying this sermon this long, long time ago. I it was dry, God. and I thought, man, I've got the market cornered. On this subject. And the subject was <laughs> what heaven's really going to be like. I thought, I've got some special dispensation. And I can't wait to let them hear it. I drove up, parked out there. First person I met was Curtis Owen. Brother Curtis was not in a good mood that day. He was pretty grumpy, if you can believe that. He wasn't a, he wasn't a happy camper. I said, how you doing, Brother Curdy?" Because I thought, Ugh. he was just kind of, <clears throat> I go, uh-oh. Uh, tread softly. I said, what's the matter? He said, well, I was at a meeting last weekend. I heard this young preacher get up and talk about what heaven's going to be like. I said, he did not. <laughs> The audacity. You know, I can't believe he did that. And I'm like, this is not a coincidence. (laughs) This is a coincidence. No, this is is providence. This is the Lord saying, buddy, you better drop that like a hot potato. Because if you do, if you go into that, Brother Curtis is going to eat you alive, and you deserve it. A lot of y'all were there. You probably don't remember that sermon because I never preached it. (laughs) I preached on the 8th chapter of Romans that day. Brother Curtis liked it. I was okay. I made it home. Made it home alive. Now, what you think about that. I'm going to preach on something. I've, you know, I just thought I got a handle on. I'm going to come over here. And then Brother Curtis, here's another guy on the same thing. And I'll never forget what he said. He said he ain't been up there. He don't know a thing about it. He's telling us stuff he don't know. I said, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sometimes ministers, they kind of get the big head. They think about, well, God gave me this calling. I've got some insight. I've been guilty of that. Not just that one time, but several times. And I've learned over the years, through experience, if there's not much said in the Bible about something, then you don't have much to say about it. You've got even less to say about it. So you might just avoid it. Everybody wants to know the origin of the devil. Where did the devil came from? Yeah, you know, I thought, well, I remember, I was thinking, I'm going to study that out. I was talking to Brother Healing and Bath. He said, David, drop it. I dropped it. I've, I've gotten in arguments with preachers. They say, well, it's in the Bible, it's not much in the Bible. Let's stay on things that the Bible has a lot to say, because that's what I believe the Lord wants us to know. Let's stay there. That's safe. Some things it's all right to talk about in the living room. Speculate. you ever thought about this? Yeah, I've got a thought. I'll never preach on it. Kind of in left field. You'll hear what they say, and everybody says, yeah, that's left field. <coughs> Don't ever preach that. You're, you're all wet. Then you say what you think. They come around. They say, Nah, you're all wet too. Everybody's all wet on one subject. Leave it alone. And that's what Paul's talking about. You know, there was folks back in the 60s and 70s, that guy that wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, oh, man, everybody just went went crazy over that, worried about it, worried about the end of time. The Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, he's, they, that day and hour, he says, no man knoweth. No man will ever know until, until you hear the last trump. That's when I'll say, I can tell you exactly when the last day is going to be. You'll already know it. You'll hear it. I'll hear it. We may even be coming down with the Lord. We don't know. If the Lord wanted us to know, he would have told us. But he didn't tell us. But what he did tell us that. That's not intruding. That's doing right. Searching the scriptures. So I don't want to like act like, oh, I'm nothing without the Lord. But the Lord's giving me all this. The Lord gave me a mind. Lord gave us the Bible. Lord gave us the Holy Spirit. The Lord speaks to us. He wrote His laws in our minds and our hearts. That is sufficient to know and make wise choices. Don't let anybody beguile you of that. Beguile. That means they're lying to you. They're trying to entice you into uh, loving them, worshiping them. He said, No. What you ought to do, he said, These people, they don't hold the head. Which is Christ. They don't honor Christ. They honor themselves. Preaching ought to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That head. Which he said. Which we are supplied. As the body. By everything that we need. And that's who our thing is. Then he says in verse 20. Wherefore. If ye be dead. With Christ. From the rudiments. Of of the world why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances touch not taste not handle not which are the perish with the using after the commandment and doctrines of man touch not taste not handle not don't go back to the law don't add works to grace Don't think you've got some special knowledge or insight? Pray to the Lord. He said, but you you avoid it. You avoid it. And he says, why? Why would they do that? And folks have been doing that all the time. And they'll keep doing it. Why, though? Paul said, why? Why are they going back? And he uses two words. They're going back to ordinances of men, not of God, but of men. And they're going back to the rudiments of this world. Interesting words. Ordinances, that means a commandment, an order, but this is an order of man. No, we go after the orders of God and the rudiments of this world. how I'm going to focus on that. And then I'll get to the scripture that I enticed you with in the beginning. Now, let's look at that word rudiments. I've seen that word. I've seen it in our songbooks. Rudiments of music. I've heard people say, ah, we need to go back to rudimentary education. Wonder, wonder what that word means. I looked it up. I went to my Webster's Dictionary. Brother Webster said it like this. He defined rudiments as this the primitive form of religious practice or philosophy. Now, I, he used the word primitive. I like, I like that. That sounds like something we need, to, we need to adhere to. Primitive, the primitive form of religious practice. Or of philosophy. It's the beginning, the basic, the fundamentals, the foundation. Rudiments of music. Here are the very basic, fundamental things. This is the reading, writing, arithmetic of music. We're going back to the first. But Paul said, read the scripture, Paul said, Don't go back to the rudiments. Of this world. Don't go back there. That's interesting. Primitive form of religion. Hmm. Primitive form of religion of the world. That's interesting. We're primitive Baptists. But we're not rudimentary of the world. We're the original Baptists, but we're not the original religion. There were religions before this. Those are the ones that Paul said do not go back to. Now, I wonder what they are. Older religions than primitive Baptists. wonder what they are. Well, I, we mentioned one, Law of Moses. That came before, came before us. That was the First Testament or the Old Testament. The old law is a rudimentary religion. Don't go back to it. Are there any others? I wonder what the Gentiles were. They weren't. Jews—they didn't have the Old Testament. Well, I wonder what, what are you? I wonder what the Gentiles were before they heard the gospel and were converted. Most of them were pagans. They worshipped many gods. They had gods all, all over the place: the Romans, the Greeks, Scandinavians—they—they they had all these gods. That's a rudimentary religion. And then there's a third one. That came before us. I wonder what that is. I believe it's atheism. That's a religion, in my opinion. It's a religion. They don't think of it as, but it becomes their life. That is the concept or the belief that there is no God. I think that covers about everything. I think you can lump everything in those three categories Judaism, paganism, and atheism. One, God ordained Judaism, one, the devil ordained paganism. You know, that's the second oldest religion. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The devil said, yea, hath God said. Questioning God. He said, God doesn't want you to eat that tree, the fruit of that tree. God, I'll tell you why. Because if you do, you'll be as God, as God's, plural, knowing good and evil. You'll know as much as God. You'll be a God. That's paganism. Atheism. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. People believe that, felt that way for a long time. Now, <clears throat> this book, written to the church at Colossae, written about 2,000 years ago, right? 2,000 years have come since Paul wrote this. Here I am, 2,000 years later, trying to preach on it, trying to tell you all about it. It's tempting for me to think when I'm hearing a brother preach. I want to know, how does that apply to me? Every time I try to study and preach on something, I want to get to that point. How does that apply? Does that hit us here, right now, in our life, in our struggle. I think it does. These are rudimentary religions. They're still very, very much with us. And lip service is sometimes even paid by Christians to these rudimentary religions. I'm I member of my own family. Did a DNA search. Looked at their heritage. They found out that like the great, 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 great grandfather was a Jew. Like that brother there, Sister talking talking about. He's a Jew. He found out that she's got Jewish blood. Everything changed after that because that's my heritage. Now, going to eat kosher food, going to observe the Passover, feast of unleavened bread. This person's a Christian, but yet they're going to observe all this because it's my heritage. And I'm like, that's just a whole bunch of trouble for nothing. Come to our house, you know, we, we got a delicious pork roast. <laughs> my, jean, nope. He'll cut up an apple. It's not kosher. I've known several people found out I've got Jewish blood. I'm going to start living like a Jew. You don't have to. That's gone. It's old, it's waxed old. The Lord did away with it. Christ fulfilled all that. We've got something better now. Why do you want to go back? to the shadow when you're with the body of Christ. I've known. I've known people who are pagans. My son told me, called me on the phone, said, Dad, we went camping with this wonderful family. Oh, yeah, tell me about them. Oh, they're the nicest people, and they're actually pagans. I go like... (coughs) Well, you don't need to be hanging around them. They go, oh, dad, but they're so nice. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Somebody close to me, you don't know them, but they're close to me. They decided they're a wicked. W I C C A N. What do you mean by that? Because I'm a witch. Oh, good grief. Very much with us today. Very much in San Antonio. There's a store downtown, San Antonio. You can buy spells, put a hex on somebody. Ah, there's one. It's a spray can. You spray in your room and you get rich. That really works, doesn't it? Really works. There's one that will give you good fortune, good luck in a spray can. It's bad for the ozone, but it's good for get rich. Get money. I like rocks. Y'all all know that. You'll see me out there picking up rocks. I found I'll go up there to Rich Mountain up there when it's at the tabernacle. That's the biggest crystal bed I understand in the world. I've heard people say that. I'll go out there, I'll find me some nice crystals. I'll just display them. I think they're nice. When I worked downtown, I had one of, our, one of the cleaning ladies come by and said, oh, you've got the crystals? I go, like, yes. He goes, like, yes, they'll ward off the evil spirits. I said, really? Wow! No wonder I feel so much better. Now, these, this is, this is current-day stuff. And I've known people. I've, you probably know some, too. I don't believe there is a God. There is no God. No God at all. When we die, there is nothing after life. Very much with us. Why? Why would you go back to things that cannot satisfy? That proved that they cannot satisfy. And, and actually, like especially in the Jewish, in the Old Testament, it pointed to the New Testament. That's where we're going. Now, I'm going to get to that text. Y'all have waited so patiently. This is found in Mark chapter 2 <clears throat> and verse 22. Uh, I mean, when, when, when on that program. <coughs> When he got to it, I, like I said, I told Leslie, I said, I right, man, I'm waiting. I want to hear what they say because I have been fuzzy on that text. <clears throat> All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 22. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles. And the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Now, maybe I'm admittedly slow to understand things. Maybe I'm the only person who didn't get it, didn't know what that meant. And they explained it. You can't put the old with the new. And you can't put the new with the old. the new wine will burst the old bottle because it expands as it ferments. You need bottles that can stand that stretching, that they can expand with it and not burst. If You've got old wine, you can put it in old bottles, it won't burst. But you can't put new wine in old bottles. And I thought, you know, I've heard that all my life. Never really thought about it. I remember growing up hearing the preachers preach. They say grace and works is like oil and water. You can stir it for a thousand years and they'll never mix. It was called the Old Testament because it's old. The New Testament is new. You can't mix them. They'll burst. You've got a mess on your hands. You'll you'll have confusion on your hands and you won't have the end product that you hoped for. You've got a mess and confusion. And so, in the New Testament, as the Lord was explaining, it's different. It's better. It's a fulfillment. It's what was pointed to. We're here. The fullness of time has come. These are important days. And we're not going to try to make it like the old. And we're not going to take some things from the old. We're going to look and see how those things pointed to this and its fulfillment in the New Testament. And so the new wine's put in new bottles. Now I want to just say this I gave that scenario. Here we are, we're old Baptists. We believe in Christ. We believe in the grace of God. We believe in election and predestination, justification, regeneration. We believe in Holy Spirit regeneration, not gospel, not baptism regeneration. You don't get born again when you accept Christ. If you've accepted Christ, that's proof you've already been born again. Like Jesus said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou well, hearest the sound thereof. What if, now, I'm not worried. I am not here to tell you. In fact, I'm here to tell you this. There is a change coming. I guarantee you all this. Things are going to change in the New Testament church. They're going to change. Guarantee the change. You better be ready for it. Get set. It's going to happen. Nothing you can do about it. And it's kind of like the Old Testament. There are things that point to it that we see that's instituted by God. And you know that change I'm talking about? I'm talking about the day of the resurrection. That's the change coming. There's no other change until the great change. As Job said, I'll wait till my change. My chain. Paul said, We all shall be changed. Paul said, We'll be fashioned like his glorious body. Now, you want to have a good meeting? Wait till that day. Well, there's not going to be any intruding. We'll know as we're known. We're not waiting for a third testament, we're not waiting for a newer testament. This Is it until the end. There's nothing that Christ taught, said, preached. There's nothing that the apostles taught, said, preached, wrote down. That is saying, listen, be ready. When the third change comes and the church is reformed all over again. It's the the only change they talk about. Those apostles, they're saying, Christ is coming back to take us home. And no need to change after that. That's all right. That's a good change. And you know what? <clears throat> the good thing about that change is on that day when you hear that trumpet blow, you hear the voice and shout of God. When you hear that, you're not going to be saying, I wonder if I need to," get you to get resurrected. I just don't know. I'm kind of hanging on to the life here. I'm kind of enjoying the earth, you know. <laughs> I wait a little longer, Jesus. Yeah, I want to see my grandkids grow up or whatnot, or ever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Y'all want your grandkids to grow up? I'm still waiting for grandkids. <laughs> At least you got them. They can grow up in heaven. I'd just like to get some. Yeah. It's not up to me. But I'll wait. But I tell you what, when that day comes. And when I hear, the, when I see my Lord, I am not hanging on to this life. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm going to fly up to meet him, and I'm going to be with him forever. There's nothing on this earth I'll miss because everything that I love will be up there, and everything up there will be so much better than it was down here and so much there to see. What a, It's just a, a wonderful day coming. So, yes, yes, get ready for change. I'm ready already. Let's get ready. Uh, Could happen at any moment. Because you know what? I don't know when it is going to be. One time I got cute in my sermons. Watch it when preachers get cute. Watch it, watch it. They'll pull a fast one on you. I stood up before a crowd one time and I said, I know exactly when the day of the resurrection is going to be. It's going to be on the last day. And I'll tell you when the last day is on the day of the resurrection. And I had psalm books thrown at me. I had dirty looks. <laughs> and people were like, that wasn't good. That wasn't nice of you to do that. So don't know when it's going to be. Don't know. I, I don't know how soon it is. I, I don't know. People say, do you think we're in the last days? Well, it, it, yeah, we've been in the last days since Christ. You think this is the last days of the last days? I really don't know. A lot of speculation about that. People say it's, be, it's worse now than it ever has been. I don't know. I've read about some real bad moments in history. I think worse than that. I, I, it could be. I don't know. I don't know everything. All I know is what I'm told to do study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman which needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Preach those things that He gave you the light. Believe those things that the Lord has taught us. Be at church. Listen to the preaching. Pray, sing, fellowship. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Stay, stay, stay until the Lord says time to go home or the resurrection. I'll end this with one of my favorite stories. I was uh, researching the minister's book. I went to uh, brother. I was with Brother Niall, Brother Morris Niall, and he took me to the. Cemetery there in Crosbyton, Texas. There's eight primitive Baptist preachers buried there. And uh, it's a beautiful cemetery. Real nice. Kept it nice. Nice gravestones. I said, you know, Brother Allen, this is a beautiful place. And he said, you know what? It's going to be a lot beautifuler on the resurrection. I said, amen to that. I said, let me ask you this. Would you rather be... on the earth when the Lord comes back, or would you rather come back with him? He said, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. And he said, I'll tell you why. It doesn't make any difference. Either way, I'm with the Lord. Either way, I'm going to be resurrected. Either way, I'm going to be with him in glory. It doesn't matter. I said, amen. That was the dumbest question. Never ask that question again. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's up to the Lord. So don't, you ask me when I think it's going to be, I have no idea. I have no clue. I don't know if we're in the last days the last days. I don't know. I don't know. I just know we're in the New Testament. And I just know our change is coming. And that's enough for me right now. And that's all we need to know. God bless you my prayer. Thank you very much. Now I have uh, as this is the second weekend, second Sunday before the camp meeting. Our conference time is on 3rd, Saturday, but we'll be at DOS that weekend, so it is the custom of Bethel Primitive Baptist Church to go into conference on the second Sunday. Therefore, I will suggest that we go into that right now, if that's of the mind of the church. And I would like to ask before, Brother Silas, would you lead us in a word of prayer before we go into conference?